Welcome to today's episode. I'm Dina Adams, your host. And today we're talking with Elle Hart with Feel Empowered Every Day. And I have to say, like, one of the things that I'm really enjoying about Elle is her heart for abundance and kindness and just showing up authentically as yourself. And just in the short time that I've gotten to chat with her, she is such a giver. And she is so willing to help people know themselves and grow in who they are so they can step out of the scarcity and the belief of lack. And so I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. So Elle, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. So will you first start with who you are, what you do, um, and then we'll kind of dive into things. Yeah. So, um, like you said, I have, uh, created a a business called feel empowered every day, and it basically came out of my struggles and, um, everything that I went through and the solutions that I found in order to feel empowered every day, literally. (laughs) So, um, it was a, a huge process. And if you want, I can dive into my story as to what led me there. Yeah, I would love that. I I really want to start with your story. And if at any point you want to share about how you help people and how you serve them and intermingle that with your story, you have the floor. Sounds good. Thank you. So I um, went straight while in college, even became a wife and mom and started out being a stay at home mom. I raised three boys. I was home for 25 years and loved it, um, but lost myself as most, a lot of women, I should say, do, and especially stay-at-home moms do. Um, I did not have a strong sense of self going into that situation, so it was very easy for me to willingly give my power away so that I didn't have to make the tough decisions. I didn't have to do things that were out of my comfort zone. I could stay in the safety of my kids and raising my kids and diving into them and their life and feeling more guided by my ex's life. And And I just just want to interject here. Yeah, absolutely. You are so speaking to me right now. I I like to take notes while I'm listening. But um, so as a mom of five kids, we have a blended family. We had four of them full time and I got the opportunity to stay home. And I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't stay home full time and not have a business in my mind. And the way I was raised, I wasn't valuable unless I was going and doing and working on becoming something more. Okay. So like even my, my Nana stayed home and raised the kids, but she helped run the ranch, right? Okay. Like she helped be a part of that in some capacity. And she helped when needed in the field and whatever else was asked of her on top of caring for the family and running the household. So I never saw what it could look like and where, how you could have value if you were a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. 
because in society you hear, I'm just a stay at home mom. Oh, that's all you do. Oh my gosh. That's the hardest job in the world. It's 24 seven. You don't <laughs> right. get a break. You <laughs> Right. And like you said, your entire world is about your kids, about your spouse and being who everybody else needs you to be. Yep. And so I love that you brought that up because I really think a lot of people will be able to resonate with having that feeling of losing themselves. And I was already lost for myself anyway, when I entered that space. So that made it even worse. Yeah, me too. But like, there's, I just really hope there's a lot of people listening who can be like, oh my gosh, that was me. And know that there is hope coming through it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I actually went more, I would guess the opposite of my mom, because my parents were very, very young when they had me and they divorced when I was six. My mom was a single mom trying to do the full-time job, run the household, raise my sister and I all on her own. Um, It was very stressful and, and a tough childhood. So I think I I went the opposite route of that. And I was like, I'm going to be home for my kids. I'm going to do everything I can, you know, to be an integral part of their life and not pull my own stress into them and, um, you know, be married through the whole thing. And, you know, um, it doesn't matter what situation you're in, you know, whether you're the single mom <laughs> for so many years or you're the married, you know, it's about you and your sense of self and how you feel about how you do things best. And if you have a sense of respect for who you are and you're setting yourself up to be respected by other people, that's those boundaries. Yes. I tell you those boundaries are hard and I'd like for you to talk on this just a little bit where society tells us or makes us feel that we are being selfish and it's a negative thing to focus on ourselves and take care of ourselves and take time for ourselves because we should always be present for everyone else. And so I'd love for you to share, I'm a very big person on boundaries and the internal and the external boundaries. And I still to this day struggle with them because I am a people pleaser. So boundaries are really, really difficult for me. Um, so if I achieve them every day, like that's a win. Um, that, that's a that's an achievement in itself every day. But I'd love for you to share a little bit more or talk a little bit more about what that looks like to respect yourself and set those boundaries when you maybe feel like you've tried, but other people aren't respecting those boundaries. Like you may set boundaries in place and you may try to do that but other people aren't responding. So can you maybe talk a little bit about how you can more successfully achieve that outcome of it, those boundaries you set for yourself being respected, not only by yourself, but by others? One of the ways that I go about that is to be very, very mindful of expectations and try to drop all expectations. I feel like they are one of the biggest problems in any type of relationship, whether it's personal, professional, parental, whatever it is, those expectations do so much harm. And so I like to tell my clients that I help you replace expectations with respectations. And so 
when you understand yourself better, then it's all about accepting yourself first, embracing who you are, and you have to have that understanding and that self-awareness before you can do those things. And then you can manage yourself in a way that those boundaries just naturally come through. And you know how to hold those boundaries because you've set up that level of respect for yourself first. If you don't do that, you can try to do all the things to get somebody else to show you the level of respect you want. And it's it's not going to happen. So it, it starts with you and and respecting yourself first and setting boundaries for yourself. Drop the expectations for other people. Those are just an attempt to control. And when we don't feel like we have control over ourselves, we try to control everybody else instead. So, And then when the expectations are not met, when other people don't do what we want, we get angry, we get upset, oh, yeah. we get bitter, we get resentful. And that's a hard thing to let go of when we're taught this is what other people this in this role, this is what they should be doing. Yeah. And when you set roles in place in your home or people make decisions to hold each other accountable for certain things, or we have, we choose what our responsibilities are and the other person doesn't uphold theirs, but you're upholding yours or vice versa there. That's where a lot of the issues will come in. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm not, saying people should not hold people to a standard of how you are treated. It's not what either of us are saying right here. We're just saying, I expect that this person in my household should be doing this every day and they don't do it. They're flawed. They're, you know, we're all flawed. We all make mistakes. None of us can be at our best every single day. And so when things aren't done a certain way, we can get really upset. And a lot of that has to do with just not understanding how other people operate. First of all, how yourself operates the best. A lot of us still struggle with that, but then how other people operate and realize they're, they're meant to be different. We are meant to be different from one another. And when we want or need other people to do things our way, we're just always setting ourselves up for disappointment and probably conflict between you and that other person as well. And Sometimes you have to do the hard things. Um, I ended up the day after my 25th wedding anniversary, we decided to end the marriage, which happened to be the same exact year that I was empty nesting. So I went from being all about everybody else to I am all by myself. What on earth does this look like? I had never lived alone. I had never paid bills on my own. I had never done. I ran a household. I ran, you know, everything for my three kids my ex, my dogs, I, I took care of it all, but never just when it was me about me for me. And, um, it was scary. So I ended up selling most of my belongings, um, packing up what was left. And I moved across the country somewhere. I didn't know anybody. And I started over completely by myself. And, um, well, it was very brave. It and was that's very courageous because I will say we're kind of going through an almost empty nester. We had a few months where our kids were out, but our two youngest came home. They're adults. They're, they're on their own, right? Like, so we're kind of going through that separation of they're no longer our responsibility. Right. Right. <laughs> at the same time to think about leaving everything, you know, mm-hmm. to walk away from that 
comfort zone, right? Comfort zones aren't always a good space and a healthy right. space. We just know <laughs> how they function. So we know how to react and respond, right? Yep. And so to move away from that and to step into a, a step outside your comfort zone in such a drastic way would to me mean you had to have a sense of empowerment within yourself and a sense of belief that you either had to make a drastic change in order to achieve what you're working to achieve or it'd be the other flip side where you're running away from and listening to everything you've said this was definitely to me outside looking in I I am doing this because I know it's what I need for me to thrive, not because I have to get away from. I knew if I stayed where I was at, I was going to be stuck and I was going to wallow. I was going to stay in the wallow process. And the divorce process itself was extremely difficult. And um, during that process, when something happened that got me, you know, emotionally, um, got me, you know, just completely stressed out, whatever it was. I let myself have my pity party. I let myself feel all my feelings and process them. And I think that was part of what helped me be able to get to that point, to be able to make those choices because I didn't brush things under the rug. I didn't, um, spend too much time wallowing in things, but I, I felt them And I let myself vent or whatever, not get out of bed, whatever it was that I needed to go through. But I told myself I could never have two bad days in a row. So if I had a bad, if I had a day where I was going to, even yesterday, I had a doctor's appointment, didn't go well. I gave myself my wallow, my pity party day. But then today I'm like, okay, pity party's over. Now it's time to, you know, face what's next, move forward. And, and deal with whatever's in front of me. And that's what I did through the whole divorce process as it was kind of a every other day deal because I knew if I let myself have two bad days in a row, it was gonna be a spiral and I was gonna fall into that mindset. I was gonna let myself get into that depressive state where I wasn't gonna be able to get out of it. I was gonna stay where I was because I was too scared and I didn't believe in myself to do anything different. Um, so I... I knew that that wasn't for me. So I knew in order to grow, I had to, I had to move. I had to make a change. And I went with two mindsets. One was live in the moment. I can't keep my head and my heart and everything in my past, but I also can't worry too much about what this future is going to look like either. So I just went with the fact that Okay, I'm going to enjoy where I'm at right now. I'm going to enjoy what's in front of me today. And I'm going to figure out what I need to figure out today and let things unfold as they as they may. And the second one was then to, again, drop expectations. And for myself, for others, and just um, try to figure things out. And it turned out, I didn't realize it at the time, but so many of the decisions that I was making fall completely in line with my strengths, which is something that I found when I, after I moved, um, I was involved with a, I had never had a full-time job outside the house or ever in my life. Um, And so I had to, you know, find, find out what I was going to do as far as that goes. I went and worked at a middle school with, with the kids there. Um, 
But in the process of some self-development I was doing, I came across the Clifton Strengths Assessment. And so I took it like everything else. I took the Enneagram, I took the Myers-Briggs, I took the DISC, I did all of it. Try to figure out like, who am I? How do I do this by myself? How do I do this life, you know, alone? So I was leaning into all of those and I got the results back and I was like, okay, this is interesting, but there was no big impact on me. And then I was taking part in a leadership conference and I was listening to the speakers and this guy got on stage and he started talking about the Clifton Strengths Assessment and all of the different traits in such a way that I was like, light bulbs went off, the flashers went, like everything, you know, the, the heavens parted, like I got, I felt like I was getting all the answers I needed. I'm like, oh my gosh, this completely makes sense to me now. So I just dove into everything that that man had to offer. I followed all of his teachings, um, all of his programs. I studied hard um, what he was putting out there. And this was the same time that these middle schoolers kept presenting all of their anxieties. I, I was just like, oh my gosh, everybody. And this was pre-pandemic even. Mm-hmm. Just the anxiety level of these young kids. And I'm like, I have got to find a way to be able to help them Funny enough, when I was in high school, I was going to go to school to study to be a high school counselor. And my high school counselor talked me out of it. And because I didn't have a strong sense of self, I followed that. And then here I was coming full circle around to wanting to be able to help middle school students. And um, so I thought, how can I go about this in a way that's going to align with myself, but be helpful to them? And so I started studying emotional intelligence. And I became an emotional intelligence practitioner. So what I did is I combined those two things together. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the traits, the 34 traits that everybody has, we all possess all of them, but we use them in a completely unique way is such a perfect foundation for that self-awareness piece. And it's unbiased, which I loved because it wasn't somebody saying to me, try to figure out who you are and how you do things. I'm like, but all of that is so smudged and clouded with my previous experiences and words that had been said to Mm -hmm. me so Mm -hmm. many years that I just still have a hard time getting past. Um, So this was a completely unbiased way of looking at myself and it gave me the vocabulary and the um, understanding to set those boundaries and to set myself up to it. Hey, I now respect the things about myself that even some of them I had been chastised for, for, for years. Um, I'm like, actually, you know what, that's, that's really a good thing about myself. And I learned to lean into those. And that's now what I offer to other people. I think that's so beautiful. And and it's so important to touch on what you mentioned about the, the things that you were taught and chastised for previously, we, when it comes to self-discovery and that's like, I, I I mentioned to you before we officially started the podcast was self. When I work in the life coaching side of things, it's self-discovery. And when I work on the business coaching side of things, it's business foundation. And the thing that's so important about both of those is knowing your beliefs 
around the labels, the roles, the actions, the success, the failures, all of those things. And so when you can say, I know there's these things that I'm still working on, but I know this is how I was treated about it. That awareness in itself can be life-changing, even if you haven't yet done anything to change it. Right. But just recognizing, um, like, and here's a really good example. I struggled for years thinking I had a fear of success. Okay. Meaning a fear of having money and a fear of achieving and a fear of all of these things. What it came down to was I had a fear of visibility. I had a fear of being seen mm-hmm. and I had a fear of the success changing who I was because yeah. growing up, I saw that when people became successful, everything about you was scrutinized by the public. My family was in the limelight where I grew up. My grandfather was in politics. Like, you know, our, our family was a prominent family. I didn't understand that when I was little, but looking back, I understand that now. Right. And it was, um, when you became successful, when you had money, when you owned a business, when you did all of those things, everybody was going to talk bad about you. Yep. Money made you walk out like you would show up on Sunday for church, but you were not that person during the week. Yep. So to me, it was, I'm going to lose my faith as my foundation. And that's the core of who I am. So there was that fear. And it was the fear of having money made, I believed it made me, it would make you a bad person. Right. And so, so when we think about when, when you talk about, I recognize there were these things that I still struggle with, but you were able to work through enough to recognize how you can change some things that you need to change and empower yourself. It's so important to recognize personal development <laughs> is about starting from right where you are and developing into, right? Yes. And if you don't have a solid foundation of what you're building on as a person, which is that self-discovery is that first step of personal development, that's the piece people pay tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars to work one-on-one with because that's where... That's where the high-level coaches actually do the self-discovery. They don't talk about that anywhere else. All their public stuff is the personal development. Right. right? And when you can't figure out why you can't grow there, it's because you're not paying for the self-discovery, which is the first step. (laughs) Exactly. Because that's the thing. Like I would hear all of this personal development because of course I was searching and reaching for anything. I would try it and I couldn't do something. And then I felt even worse about myself. I'm like, this is supposed to make me feel better until I understood myself and understood how I operate best. Now, when I look at personal development, I can say, oh, these pieces are for me and these pieces will help me. The rest of it is for somebody else because that's not what motivates me or gets me at another level or even represents me authentically. You know, I I don't do those things well, so I'm not going to worry about that piece of personal development. And so it's not a one size fits all. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's pieces of it that works for us, depending on what strengths show up where. And even when you mentioned labels a minute ago too, 
I'm very, very careful to let my clients know, don't, don't worry about the name of the trait. They had to give a name because we, we have to give names to things, right? But it's the meaning of it and not the definition because Gallup will give you the name of the trait. They'll give you the definition, right? Which is basic. But what I do is I intertwine, like, what's the order that shows up? What other traits come up around it? Which ones are in your bottom? Because your bottom five are just as important as your top ones, because that's where we show up when we're doubting ourselves or thinking that we should be more like someone else. And they are just as prevalent as our top strengths are. And just having an understanding of them can help you realize like, oh, wait a minute, I'm going down the wrong path right here. This might be somebody else's path and it might be really good for them, but this isn't the way that's going to be serve me or the people around me the best. So I need to remember my top ones. And again, not getting caught up in the names of them because that in itself can throw people for a loop. <laughs> that's such a good point. And I think to take that just a little deeper, I'm a, I'm a words person. Okay. And <laughs> I am all about definitions, defining, yeah. mm -hmm. because here's what happens. There is a difference between a definition and a meaning. Yeah. And there's also interpretation. Right. Right. How do we interpret that in any area of our life? And does it really mean the same thing to us as someone else, to us in this moment versus this moment? And there's so many words that are used nowadays that their original meaning and, and their definition and what they actually mean, what they actually are, is very different than how it's used. Right. And I find when people learn the definition of words, a lot of times they will either stop using it or they'll figure out, oh, I need to be using it like this. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden... It's not all of a sudden, but it seems like all of a sudden things start to shift in their environment because God says that life and death is breathed by the tongue. It's the things that we say. And so even though we believe it has a certain meaning to us, there's a definition and a there's an energy around the word and the, it was created and what it means. And so we have to be very careful and intentional about the words that we're using and recognize that when we're using words to our clients and we're using words to our peers and to our spouse and to other people in our environment, we have to also understand that that word may have been very bad, nasty, derogatory in their world. And so being intentional about the words that we use and recognizing in the moment when we've used a word and it creates a negative energy or we feel like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, we should correct it right away. Right. And recognize that because that in itself, people will respect that. And people will start to realize, oh, this is important to you. And so like you were talking earlier about the, what did you call it? Respectations. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We have to respect who we are. And I find a lot of times we will revert back to some of the, the patterns when we think someone else is upset or has a problem with us because we are still working through those boundaries within ourselves. And 
we don't always respect ourselves well, therefore other people won't either. We are teaching people how to treat us based on how we treat ourselves. And so Absolutely. I'd love it if you would touch on something because as we're talking to moms and, you know, women who, um, and, and I'm sure there's, I know there's men out there that feel the same way where they're in a relationship where they might feel that they are not heard, but they're like, but I'm really not said, I'm not teaching them to treat me like that. Cause I would, I've said that before too. And I struggle because I'm like, there's no way I taught someone to treat me this way. But if I look at the common denominator in multiple relationships, not just my marriage, but my relationships with my kids, my friends, my family, is that a common denominator? And am I so disrespectful to myself that I'm really showing people how to treat me because I accept it because I'm a people pleaser and I don't want to upset other people. Therefore, you know, like it's this big thing. So what advice would you give to people when they're trying to figure out, am, how am I treating, teaching people to treat me? What are some things we can look at in ourselves to help us reevaluate how we are respecting ourselves and teaching others to, to treat us. Yeah. With that, I think it depends on your particular strengths as to what's going to work for you in terms of how to do that. Because the way that I do it for me is different than the way that you would do it for you. And that's where I think it's so important to understand this about ourselves because, you know, um, it sounds like maybe you have the harmony strength high where you just, you don't want to rock the boat. You don't, you'll do anything to avoid conflict. You just want everybody to just get along. And within each of these traits in ourselves, there's what I call bridges and tunnels too. There's, you know, all the good parts of it, but then there's things to be mindful of and look out for too. Um, just because it's high for us and it's a strong strength of ours doesn't mean that we should lead with it everywhere we go. You know, maybe if you have the command strength high and you're somebody who is, you know, you don't have any problem taking charge in a situation, you also have to learn the self-management piece of when and who and how do I use this strength that it's going to benefit me and the people around me. I can't just bowl in everywhere I go and start taking charge because that's going to fall flat on with everyone, you know, and I'm going to teach people to be annoyed with me then. So I have to understand my own self and how I do things before I can set somebody else up to understand me. And one of the things that I offer too, is I'll go through two people or an entire families, all of your strengths side by side. So I take all 34 traits and I say, okay, for you, communication is number three. For this person, communication is number 26. So this is what it means between the two of you. And the mm -hmm. main thing with that, that people take away from is don't take it personally if, or don't take it personally when, you know, if I'm not the type of person who's going to share everything that comes to my mind and I don't come home from work and tell you about everything about my day or, or, um, you know, a big storyteller on what's going on in my life. Don't take it personally. I'm not shutting you out from me. It's just how I feel most comfortable operating myself. But I have to respect the fact that 
you have communication high. For you, it's all about stories. It's all about sharing things. What comes in your head maybe comes straight out of your mouth before you have a chance to filter it. And we have to learn how that works in the dynamic between the two of us then. That's how you set up those um, respect and how to treat me. The way I'm going to treat myself and honoring the fact that I like to share things and I like to talk is setting you up to treat me in the way that listening is important. You know, this person who I'm with needs to be able to express themselves. And maybe that's how they think and process things too, you know? So, so when you're just, since we have a few minutes left, kind of want to get back into your story a little bit and, and maybe have you touch on how you utilized, or I mean, even when, like, when did this shift happen for you? Because if you're an empty nester, 25 years of marriage, you're getting a divorce, all of this stuff happens. How do you navigate that to be able to come through that and say, because I mean, let's be honest, those are some dark days that we go through when we're, you know, all the feelings that happen when you become an empty nester. Yep. Oh yeah. All the feelings that happen when you're going through a divorce, all the feelings that happen when you're having all these life changes, it's a lot to take. And those negative voices in our head can get really, really loud. And that lack of value and lack of worth and all of these things that will come up in that space not only internally, but the things other people are saying and trying, how they're contributing to the intensity of those voices because they don't think you should be doing what you're doing or they don't agree with <laughs> them. <laughs> they, oh, just figure it out and work it out. Or, you know, just all of these things when people don't, don't walk in your shoes. Right. What is it that you did and you were able to do? Because you already mentioned a little bit oh. about I only allowed myself to deal with this every other day or to go through this every other day, Mm -hmm. but to, and that's great. Yet when you're in it, what are the, the, the skills that you utilized to actually pull yourself forward? Because if day two comes around and you wake up and you feel no better than you did the, the day before, you can think that but then you have to have an action to step out of it. So what are some things that you did for yourself to help you keep moving forward, to empower yourself, to actually take the action, not just think it? Well, activator is my number two strength. So it's natural for me to take action. I will take action first and think later (laughs) is the way that I tend to operate. So Um, Again, it was funny. I had no idea what my strengths were when I was going through all of this, but I was really leaning into a lot of them. My bottom ones were showing up on a daily basis as well. And so I needed to pay attention to what is making me feel good. What is making me feel like I'm showing up in a way that I put a smile on my face and, and it's a real smile. It's not a fake it it till you make it smile. (laughs) And, um, you know, I, I, again, I took in a lot of information at the time too. You know, I realized that I was going to do things and try things that maybe weren't going to work and that was okay. And I had to give myself grace on the fact that, you know, Hey, trying something in itself is, is a success. 
no matter what the outcome is. And I, I really paid attention to learn from a lot of the things that were going on too. What don't I, what do I want to make sure I don't repeat going forward in my life? And one of the things, you know, when you go through a divorce, especially it's so easy to point the finger at the other person and, um, you know, oh, because of this and because of that and the whole thing. Well, I honestly had to sit down and say, what was I doing that contributed to this as well? Where, Where were my mistakes in all of this? Because if I don't come to terms with them, if I don't become aware of them and come to terms with them, and figure out ways to work on them, I'm going to repeat them again. And then I'm going to stay in that place of feeling not valued and not worth things and stuff like that. And trust me, I, I struggle with those still on a daily basis. Now it's an effort, but a lot of it is, is just being mindful of it. You know, we can live where we kind of bury our heads in the sand or you know, like my family growing up, just put everything under the rug and not deal with any of it. Yeah. But that, that really doesn't get you anywhere. You know, it's, it's a really lumpy rug and it's really hard to walk over all of that every day. It's exhausting. And so I I just, I knew I wanted a different experience for myself going forward. I love that you pointed out you're an activator as your number two, because we will look at other people and what they're doing to help themselves through something. And we don't function the same way. So we will berate ourselves. We'll get down on ourselves. We'll feel worse about ourselves. And so one of the things I want to share for the listeners is no matter what you see someone else doing, the way they do it, how they do it, If you aren't capable of doing it that way, and maybe you try and you just can't seem to make it work, it's because that's just not how you function. Right. And And there's nothing wrong with that. No. And so, you know, Elle has been talking about this test, right? And so I would encourage you guys to reach out to her to get connected. You can go to feelempoweredeveryday.com. The link will be in the description. Um, get her 10 life-changing tips to self-empowerment. I think that would be very valuable for anyone listening. And then just get connected with her. At least take the step to do the test, to learn about how you function. Because one of the things that is the most lonely is being in a sea of people who function differently than you and it makes you feel alone. Instead of utilize instead of learning how you function and allowing that to be something that nobody else around you does you're kind of instead of seeing yourself as the black sheep you can see yourself as the unicorn right you can see yourself as the one that's different from everyone else and the one who does do things differently because you are different because you're wired different and allow that to be your strength allow that to be what drives you and and, and motivate, you know, inspires that internal motivation to kick in. Because as long as we, especially as individualists, especially as the one who feels like they are the outcast, who feels like nobody gets them, who is the one everyone talks about behind their, <laughs> their back, you know, <laughs> feels like you're so disconnected from everybody else. Nobody understands you. Nobody gets you. That's not necessarily a bad thing. You just need to figure out what are your traits? 
What are the things that make you uniquely you? And how do you utilize that to show up well in these areas of your life, in your business, in your relationships, so that you can thrive in them instead of allowing that to be what makes you feel that you're less than? Right. And the nice thing is with this assessment too, is given that there's 34 strengths um, and traits that we, we all use them. So that's what makes us feel connected and that Mm. we are a part of each other because, Hey, we all have these 34 traits, but where it makes us unique and, and sets us up to have our own gifts that we give the world that nobody else can, because when your results come back, that ranking of those 34 will be unlike anybody else on the face of the earth. Statistically, you will not have the same results as anybody else. So even though they're all the same traits, the way they show up for you is completely different. So that's where you get to shine. And that's where you get to to lean into the ones that work the best for you and how they work the best for you, depending on where they fall and what's around them. So it's it's that sort of commonality, but yet individual, you know, way that I shine as well. And so that brings one last question that I have before we we end our conversation today. Um, I'd like to say, and I'm sure there's other people that feel like I've taken all these tests and if I take it multiple times, I might get different results. Um, I believe I was a born extrovert to a, I'm a converted introvert because I remember a time when I would dance around and sing and act and all the things. And I didn't care who paid attention. And there was a defining moment in my life where I went everything internal. And so I will verbally be one way, but when I write, I am very extroverted when I write things because I'm more willing to express what's going on inside of me, which is the part I contain out of fear of judgment and, you know, bullying and all the other things that I experienced because I was myself. Mm-hmm. And so when you take a test like this, my concern would be, and I don't know if other people think this, but how do I know that's really who I am at my core versus who I've become because of how I've been treated? And is this a test that you should take on a regular basis as you grow? So maybe you need to come back and take it again, because now that you've grown, maybe your traits are showing up differently. Is that accurate? Or what does that look like? It can be it, you know, I think that the, the way that they show up fundamentally is, is who you are. And this, this test um, in particular is typically taken in the corporate setting and used by businesses and management to fit the right people together on their teams to get the most productivity done. But like I said, I studied it in a different manner from somebody else and gave a more personal aspect to it. So the results, um, I work in the in four areas of life, your belief in yourself. So all about you and understanding you. And then I developed a self-intelligence framework that I work off from. And then your um, work or your school life, because who you are at home is who you are at work, is who you may have to do different things and have different responsibilities and show different skills, but fundamentally you are who you are. Same with your health and wellness. You're going to go about things and taking care of yourself in your fundamental way. And also then with your relationships. Um, 
and you know that's your re- relationship with yourself and your relationship with everybody else whether it's uh, an acquaintance or just a you know a grocery store clerk that you're having a quick moment with or you know your spouse or or family um and so they're going to show up in all areas of your life in terms of if you should take it again and things like that i've known people who've through their companies have taken a couple of times and maybe a trade or two will kind of change up a little bit. But for the most part, it seems to be fairly um, similar from your previous ones. But if you do have a huge change in life and you do have a, a big epiphany or you've come through something um, really big, you may want to then take it again and see if you have changed. But again, you are who you are and you're going to still at your deep core handle things and go about things very similar in the same way. Um, That's really awesome. I'm looking forward to taking the test because this is something that I would, I would love to take the test and then get back on here and do another episode and talk about the results and what that means and, and help people hear how you help someone with that. Because Sometimes people will be like, oh, well, that sounds great, but I don't see how that would help me because I'm good here, 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 and here, right? Right. And so if you'd be open to that, I would love to go through and take the test, have you back on, and we can go through the results and you can talk through how you would with, with a, maybe a new client, a potential client, um, someone that you're going to be working with and be like, and kind of, I'm a very open person. I don't, I, there is not much I'm not willing to talk about, but that's just because I've shared with the people that need to know, which are my kids and my husband. Right. And so they know, they know everything pretty much for the most part about me. And so, um, I, if that's something you're open to, I'd love to share that with the listeners to help them hear what this is like. Cause I think that would really inspire people to get past that I don't know what to expect, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> Again, expectation. I don't know if I would feel safe enough to go through that. I don't know that I want to, I don't think that's for me because I've done the Enneagram. I've done the disc. I've done, you know, gems. I've done all these things. I've done Myers-Briggs. And so how is this different? And I feel like just listening to you, I feel like this would be that, um, that test, like many of us, who is different than everything else that you've done. Yes. It's just highly individualized. Everything else puts you in some type of category, mm-hmm. which is great. You know, like I said, I've done all of them. I find value in them. Sometimes mm-hmm. we, we do just need kind of that quick, like, oh yeah, I'm an Enneagram too, whatever, you know, to lean into, <laughs> but to really develop that self-intelligence that we need in life to propel ourselves forward. I think we need something that is more tailored to who we are individually mm-hmm. instead of just collectively. Because again, like I said, even the definitions of each trait change a little bit depending on what else is around them. So I don't tell any two people the same type of things. And that the is next so thing cool. too is I've worked with people that don't tell me a single thing about their life. I don't have, I don't ask you personal questions. You don't have to divulge to me what your stressors are, what you're going through. I stick strictly to the answers and the way the assessment is set up, you have, I believe it's 20 seconds to answer a question. And some of them seem redundant, but that's done for a purpose, but you answer straight from your gut. 
And so it is, I've had people again, who I've never met before. I go through their results with them. I don't know anything what's going on in their life. And they're like, Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> me to a T. Like, how do you know? I had one girl go, How do you know these things about myself? I've never verbalized this to anybody. Hmm. But again, it's, I don't tell you how to change. I don't tell you what's quote unquote wrong. We don't talk about weaknesses. It's all very positive in terms of teaching you to own it. Like, this is who you are. And my, my number one strength that came back was very tough pill for me to swallow, because like I said, it's something I had been chastised for, for years. And mm. now that I have an understanding of it, like I said, I'm, I see the good in it. And I, I understand like, oh my gosh, this really is a gift that, that I can, and how it helps other people. And that's what I'm all about is how I can help other people. So I see the value in that now, whereas I would have gone the rest of my life thinking that that quality in myself was something that was, was not so good. So a lot of times we need something like this, like I said, to clear off all the smudges of the judgments mm -hmm. that were placed on us in the past to have that real good, feel amazing about yourself perspective. I love that. And I'm looking forward to seeing how, like, because I do work on that self-discovery side and that business foundation piece with my clients, I can see how this would be an added benefit for them along that journey to take this test. So as we're going through everything we work through, they can take that and apply the principles behind it. They can, they can be like, Oh, now I get why I've been doing this this way. And we can work through that healing piece of that or figure out how to restructure. And so I think this is a huge asset to anyone, first of all, but secondly, to like my audience who is mainly online entrepreneurs, I can see how like their hearts are to help people. Mm -hmm. And so if you can learn something more about yourself, so you can help people better. Why wouldn't you? Right. And like, I have achiever low. So for me, like accomplishment and setting goals and all that stresses me out and I don't do well with it. So when I work with somebody, I have to straight up say to them, look, if you want me to set all these goals and do all these things, that's not going to work for me. This is the way that, and, and it doesn't limit you knowing your strengths does not set any type of limitations on you. It's a, it's just more of a perspective and the way to look at it. So I have restorative high though. So I'm about problem solving. So I'm like, okay, let's look at this in a different way. So like when new year's Eve comes up, I don't set uh new year's resolutions. Uh, yeah. I look at it and say, what are the problems that I'm dealing with? And what do I need to do to solve those problems? You know, I'm gaining weight. I'm not going to set a goal to lose 10 pounds by March 1st, because I know I'm not going to do that. But I look at it and say, here's a problem. My pants are no longer fitting me. So I have to figure out a solution for this. I either need to watch what I eat and start exercising more, or I'm going to go buy new pants yeah. <laughs> and come to grips with that. That's me. I'm going to go buy new pants. <laughs> right? Like, I'm just going to solve the problem. And yeah. that's what motivates me to get to that next. But you know, a lot of people don't, don't see the value in that. And they don't realize that about themselves or the person that they're working with as a coach. And you keep coming at them with setting goals and time blocking and scheduling and all this stuff. And I'm like, nope, I'm go with the flow and solve problems as they come at me. So how do we do this? And what I love about that is because I do work with my clients on self-management, not time management, because we can't manage time. We have no control over it, right? 
and I do goal setting and I do some of that stuff, but I don't do it to some of the level that other people do because I don't agree with it. And so it makes me think that maybe that just might not be one of my strengths. Oh, and right. Because I don't do that like other people. And so it's, it's intriguing to me. And I'm like, okay, so if I don't function this way, but I know some of my clients do, guess what? Yes. I can teach it this way. And I can teach it this way because now I know how I function, but I also know how my clients function. So I know how to, I'm, I can teach. So if I need to teach it in two or three different ways, I can teach it in two or three different ways. And a lot of times it's just changing the vocabulary around. Yeah. It's the same premise. You're still yeah. going to get them to the spot that you were leading them to in the first place. It's just a different vocabulary of how it's going to resonate with them to yeah. be motivated by it instead of feel maybe shut down or overwhelmed by it. You know, and like you talked about earlier, comparing yourself to other people. Well, competition strength for me is number 34. That's my lowest. When I compare myself to people, I go in a deep, dark place and it is not good. But if it's oh. high for somebody else, that's what gets their juices going. And it's not that they want other people to not do well. A lot of times when you have competition high, you want to see other people thrive because it helps you set that bar even higher to be mm -hmm. able to go even more. And that's what people need to get them going. And so as a coach, then it's like, okay, where are you with this? So that I understand, like, if I start talking about other people or other businesses or other things, how's that going to land for you? And, uh, and then, you know, do I use this or do I, you know, do I walk away from that part of it, you know? And so that's where it's just such an added benefit to understand yourself as a coach as to how I'm going to go about this. That works best for me, but then understand your clients too. I mean, that's amazing. Thank you all so much for spending time with me today and with our audience. It's just, it fascinates me because I love getting into the self-discovery and, and the inner workings of, of people and how we can help them improve themselves, their lives, um, and their business. So thank you so much for, for sharing your amazingness, your greatness, your expertise. Thank you. And if I may just add one more quick thing, I do have a book on Amazon too. It's called the Feel Empowered Everyday Bullet Journal. It's an interactive guide in using um, to build yourself for intelligence and by using emotional intelligence. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'll make sure that we add that link as well into the description so people can get that as well. I, I'm a very big um, advocate for journaling. So anytime, anytime there's an option for a journal, right. Um, and it's packed full of all kinds of information too. So it's not just that blanket empty journal with a few quotes here and there. You'll, you'll get a lot of, um, a lot of perspective from it as well. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. This has been thank amazing. Thank you.